You're listening to the Light Forge Podcast, the key to unlocking your arena success with your co-hosts, ADWCTA and Murps. Welcome to the Light Forge Podcast. This is Abuja. This is Murps. Hello, hello. Um, I don't know. I don't have any great intro. It's just been raining a ton over here. I think it's been storming over where you are. I think we're close enough such that the storms like hit you as well, right? uh-huh on uh on friday night when when we were streaming the storm was so freaking bad like i think twitch chat was scared for us and brand new had to come up because she was scared to hang out downstairs by herself what's the reason for these storms because they arrive really fast it just looks like the mm-hmm. sky fell um it yep. just suddenly gets super dark like it could be 4 p.m and and you're like wait is it nine already uh it just gets really dark really fast and then the sky just like cracks open and all the rain falls it's pretty scary that's how it is that's how it is in like the southeast and especially in august like august september like i remember yeah i I went to college in virginia and it was just i mean you went to you went to school in virginia the the thing is it shouldn't happen like three days in a row yeah no that's true and uh the weather report at least has it happening for like a whole week so, yeah, we'll it's see. going to happen tonight, and it's going to happen the next two days, in addition to the three days that we already had this past week. It's pretty I'm, crazy. I'm just happy that we haven't been hit with any of the real crazy weather that's been hitting people, you know, in places for the past, like, five years, past decade at increasing rates. And uh, it's just, it's kind of just going to get worse. So I feel like we've been more or less spared so far. I think that's fair. Okay. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the arena. Uh, if you guys are curious, there's no BG updates this week because there's just no BG updates. I haven't been playing. I'm waiting for the up, uh, the huge update, the revamp. We can even uh, like, you know, I'll I'll even call it like BG 2.0 because Mm -hmm. they are rotating or fixing or replacing. However you want to say it, we don't exactly know at least 30 minions. Uh, in the game, which is huge. That's just yeah. like one of the biggest switch-ups that would make it like the biggest patch of all time, right? Um, and with these 30 minions, they're like taking, a- they're essentially taking away 30 and like putting in 30. So uh, it's like BG 2.0. Very excited about that. But that's not here yet. So BGs is still kind of in the same state. Um, I can't really talk about the meta because I haven't been playing. So I we are going to skip bgs for this week we we are gonna focus on arena again so nothing's changed in the actual arena they haven't hit the button uh they're probably going to next week i think because next week is when they're going to be do the first balance updates for constructed purposes and that's usually if not on the same day then like a day or two after is when they uh, is when they hit the button for arena uh, in the past couple of uh releases so we have that to look forward to and like we said last time you know, for like a first shot at the meta, just like last time, it's not that bad. Um, we are the win rates are lining up at around like Druid is forty four fifty four point five, Demon Hunter is fifty four point one. After that, you have Warrior at fifty two point seven, which is still not bad compared to you know a top line of fifty four point five, and then Warlock at fifty two percent, and then it drops. Um, so it's hardly balanced, but it's not like super unbalanced. And remember. If you play one arena every day, you will spend most of your game playing times playing in a horribly unbalanced meta. 
Because that's how slow Blizzard actually hits the button, and uh, half the time when they hit the button, it just creates a different unbalanced meta. Uh, so this is, like, not terrible right now. But I want to dig into how this meta ticks, because I don't think it matters. I really don't think it matters what they do in terms of the uh, micro-adjusts, um, unless they, like, totally, like, do something weird, which is possible, right? They could always, like, Priest is terrible right now. They could always super buff Priest, so it ends up with a 60% win rate, and then you're in a totally different meta, right? But assuming nothing, like, single class-driven happens, and they, like, at least throw three classes at the top, uh, then you're going to stay in this meta. You're not actually going to escape a meta that is similar to this. Not that Druid has to be on top or Demon Hunters have to be on top, but you will be in, quote-unquote, a tempo meta. And this will be, in my memory, the first tempo meta in more than a year. Probably more than, like, a year and a half. We have just been so out of the tempo meta that people were starting to question whether tempo was even like still an important concept rather than like a defining concept in the arena because remember back in the day arena was all about tempo in the early going it was about tempo and card advantage and then since gvg hit it was pretty much more about tempo than card advantage uh but then you know with the with the last God, at least four expansions, maybe the last seven expansions, Tempo has just gotten us lower and lower roll, uh, which which is fine. And when I say Tempo, I, I mean Tempo on the board Tempo. So Reach and Face Damage, I consider separate uh, than Tempo. So things like Reach and Face Damage have become more important, not less important, but Tempo has definitely become less important in the times leading up to this expansion. But Stormwind is here, and now it's Tempo time. So how do you know you're in a tempo meta? I'll give you one stat from the top class, which is Druid, that should be the biggest red flag that you're in a tempo meta. Not that tempo is important, but that tempo is almost all that matters. And the only thing that matters besides tempo is card advantage, only because you will run out of tempo if you run out of cards. That is the only reason card advantage still matters to the extent that it will provide you tempo later on, rather than running out of cards or having to be inefficient with your mana because you don't have choices anymore of what to play. In Druid, the number one class, the number one class performing class card is Park Panther. Um, very good tempo card. I'm not resting my argument on that. I'm just kind of putting it out there. Park Panther, we rated it super high. Uh, it is performing super well. It's actually beating Arbor up, which is surprising to me. Arbor up is number two. We had rated that at S back in the day, and this is a very favorable meta for it. I actually expect it to perform even better. I don't really know why it's not performing even better. I, I think it will perform better for good players, because you'll just have the board more. Um, like, between Park Panther and Arbor Up, I would rather have Arbor Up. Uh, but either way, those are the top, <clears throat> the top two. But not that far behind is the third best performing card on Arena HS. And it is Pounce. That is the zero mana card that gives you two attack. This is a good card. It's always been a good card. It's never been an average card. It's always been an above average card. But it's basically like a crappy backstab. Because remember, it kind of locks out your hero power. Or your hero power can like add to it and make it deal three damage. But it doesn't work uh, the same way as, uh, as the rogue's backstab. 
and just historically pounce was never like one of the top uh win rate cards but now it is why because that's all that matters in this meta all that matters in this meta is getting on the board now especially if you're druid but even if you're not druid if you're on the board that means you can prevent the druid from being on the board which is just as useful as if you are druid and then you get on the board um so yeah like pounce good card in this meta amazing card keep that in mind not just for drafting pounce but just to know how important being on the board is um this is also why the second best class almost as uh win rate high as druid is demon hunter demon hunter having the most uh efficient hero power you're hero powering almost every turn and you're getting that tempo you're getting that flexibility and you can maintain the board better than any other class that's always been the case and it's just very important right now because remember demon hunters got like no really good cards and they lost like most of their good cards and they're still number two so yeah expendable performers is number one by like far um but it's not like demon hunters are reliant on any card demon hunters are good even without expendable performers demon hunters are good because they can lock down the board which means they can destroy druids and hit you in the face um the third best class is warriors and the top three cards are all weapons because weapons are really 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 good for tempo two of the weapons actually also generate card advantage for you so they they go they go both ways on that and the third the final class that is above average um and these are really they they make your four like actually playable classes and the classes below that are like eh, you don't really want to touch them um but 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 you can uh the fourth class is warlock and this is the one class that's going in the other direction and it is going the other direction because like we said before like before the the set even came out warlocks are going to be the only class in this expansion that has enough board clears to be able to play a control game and that's what they're doing their four of their top five class cards are entitled customer board clear derailed coaster uh okay not not a class card just four of their top cards Derail Coaster, which is uh, a board player. Everyone has it. Everyone will own everything, but it's usually not like the number two card by win rate in a class. But it is in Warlocks, and that's even though Warlocks have other board clears because that's the whole strategy. You fall behind, you board clear, you flip. Uh, then you have Cascading Disaster, another really good board clear, clear card, and then Soul Rend. So Warlocks are playing the other game. Druid, Demon Hunter, Warrior, and pretty much everyone else that has that's making a good deck is going to be playing the tempo game. Um, so what do you do with this, right? Like, this is just my observations plus some stats on HS Replay, and uh, it comes together, and we know that we're in a tempo meta. Well, if you remember how the game was played like four or five years ago, in your first four or five turns... There will never be a better move than playing the highest tempo turn. Nothing else matters. You can go face if you want, but if you can eat one of your opponent's minions or trade up, you do that. Why? Because you win on the tempo. If you can play two two drops instead of a four drop and uh, your two drops won't get eaten on the board, uh, you do that. Why? Because it's better tempo. Uh, when you're drafting, 
what is the most important thing to draft? Curve. You have to have your curve. You have to have a very solid curve. What's the second most important thing to draft? Some one-drop and or low-mana utility cards that are pro-tempo. Like, this is, this is what your needs are in this meta. Now, the problem with small utility cards that are positive on tempo is that they're always crap on card advantage. So you then need some card advantage cards like later on uh, to kind of make up for it because you're, you're, the point of tempo is not going face, right? Tempo is different than face. And you will run out of tempo if you don't have enough cards because you're trading a lot, you're protecting your board a lot, you're not getting as much face damage as you might be used to. Like before, it was like flip the board and then go face and have your opponent deal with it, right? Then flip it again, then go face again if your opponent doesn't deal with it. Now, you're protecting the board more. And when you're protecting the board more, you're getting less face damage. Um, which means the game is actually dragged on for a bit longer. Like I know in Constructed, the games are short as hell right now. Uh, and in Arena, it's definitely shorter than it used to be. But it's still, like, you're running, you're still hitting the point in which you run out of cards quite frequently. Like, much more so than before, which again was something that happens when Skelemance Academy goes out. Um, so, you gotta have some card advantage too. So that's your drafting priorities. Number one, you have to have a curve. If I have a curve, and you don't have a curve, I win. Number two, you want some utility cards. Because if I have a curve, and you have a curve, and I have utility cards, and you don't, I win. And three, you want some stuff that will give you card advantage. Because... If you have a board, and I have a board, and your board runs out, and my board don't run out, I win. That's the basics of Hearthstone Arena. It feels like we're back in Classic, just with fancier cards. Yeah, um, the main issue with the previous meta uh, uh, were... It was just a lot of issues compounded on top of each other. Um, these conditional cards got to a point where they were really good uh for example broomstick giving everything rush if i mean you can just look at some of the cards that we had way back then uh that you had to essentially it's like oh you had to fulfill this condition to give everything rush uh like for example that um one mana like little dagger thing that rogues have uh mm -hmm. now again right that was from a previous expansion you had to equip it and then destroy the weapon and on death rattle you give everything rush mm -hmm. so you at minimum needed to basically you like equip the dagger and then hero power dagger three mana to give everything rush and of course it's not a one one on the board that you're rushing it is your face kind of that you're rushing so you you can see um the uh, escalation there but the real issue is like we got to a point where small conditional cards were so good see all of the aug merchants and their downside was non-existent because of the mage scribes and uh the scorpions and all of the generation so you had all of the generation so you had all of the card uh advantage and then you had all these conditional cards in which you never had to make any sort of choice uh because when you pick Og merchants and broomsticks you're not really saying okay well i'm at least making some sort of sacrifice because i am cutting into my cards because you always had a near endless supply of cards so that was one of the issues it was like all right there was too many cards and what happens when you never run out of cards it makes all of these conditional cards just much mm -hmm. better because it, it just 
eliminates the downside, right? And if you guys can think yeah. back to the previous meta, whenever you took a broom, did you ever think, oh man, but like this this is a real shot of me running out of cards. You're just like, nah, I got two mage scribes and a scorpid. I'm I'm good on the cards, plus the other draws, and plus the copious amounts of spells that I'm drafting, generating, whatever, the wand thieves etc so i'm good there um so you would always take a i mean not always but you would take the og merchant and the broom and you would never consider cards you would only consider well is this the best fit for my deck that's that's the only thing so that's how we created that meta like when the cards are just overflowing and so abundant and the conditional cards are so extraordinarily powerful for what they do um it, 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 it creates a meta that I think a lot of people were frustrated by. Um, and now, uh, that's sort of the thing. So, like, I'm glad that Broomstick is gone. I'm glad that Og Merchants are gone. But if Og Merchants, for example, were back in, yeah, there would be just more kind of tech, you know, more pings, which is very necessary now. Um, but the cost to the Og Merchants is more now as well. Um, so the, the mm. considerations mm -hmm. are going to be different. Yeah. Not, not saying that Og Merchants they're, are They're bad. still really good. Yeah, they're still very they good. they fit the role of the utility card. Right. Yeah, they're going to be less, like, universal. You're going yeah. to have to track even more, like, oh, God, do I have too many Og Merchants? Um, yeah. Uh, like, the... And, and you're talking about people who are, like, you know, were not as comfortable in the previous metas of the last year or two years, probably. Um, now, there are so many people who are not comfortable with this meta. Because think about when you had to be playing in, in the arena at a high level to be in this meta. Like, you had to have locked in your skill and then not so significantly improved. Because let's say you're, like, a 4-win player three years ago, and then now you're like a six-win player, right? You, you, a four-win player is in a totally different meta than a, a, a six-win player um, in terms of what your expectations are, in terms of how you play the game. But you've become a six-win player in the meta of unlimited cards. You've become it in the meta where tempo is not king. And so now the skill testing on tempo is at such a high level. And that includes drafting, that includes mulliganing. It, 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 it really flips everything on you. So if you see your win rate in this particular expansion, like, drop a lot. Because I can tell you right now that, like, the, the meta is so soft. The meta is absurdly soft right now. I have never seen a softer meta at the launch of an expansion since, like, Arena started losing popularity. Like, I don't know, four years ago, like, when it started, like, spiraling. Um, so part of it could be this arena revival that some people keep talking about, but I think a lot of it is just this expansion, uh, really this rotation, has shifted all the expectations and skills that a large percentage of players who have either started playing arena in the last two, three years, or become good at the arena in the last two, three years, are now, like, they're no longer anywhere near as good as they were before, because they did not sit down and learn all the fundamentals and practice all the fundamentals because these little bits of advantage on turn one and two and three are all really, 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 really important to winning the game. And they learn more skills about which cards do what and what situation. They had reads on a lot of cards. Like, you had an entire year to develop your reads on Ashes of Outlands and Skillamance Academy. 
Because and now none of those reads are useful. In fact, if you're playing in a way where you subconsciously are adjusting for those reads, even though you technically know that those cards aren't in, in the game anymore, you're playing worse than if you had no read knowledge. Like, no game knowledge. Because you're, you're considering cards that don't exist, even if it's not specifically. Even just your feel of what an opponent can do if they're down to, like, three cards is different now than it was before. And that's the kind of stuff that, like, you know, you don't have to sit there and, like, write a thesis about it. You'll figure it out with enough reps. And people are probably already figuring it out, but the meta's still really soft. So I think it's it's kind of a slow process for a lot of people. Um, and, and it makes sense. It's It feels weird to say, but it's always harder to learn fundamentals than it is to learn, like, the fancy stuff. Because I think your brain just tunes out a lot of the fundamental stuff because they're so nuanced relative to their like uh to their effects whereas the more interesting stuff you can you can kind of pick up like think about all the nba players who like are just like decent at shooting free throws like they're they should be absurdly good at shooting free throws you you get like a lot of people just at your local ymca or whatever and they're way better free throw shooters than like half the nba players and i'm not just talking about like giant centers i'm talking about like you know forwards and like guards um and yeah part of it is the game experience right but like a lot of it also is just that even though they're playing basketball all day every day and they are shooting and practicing more free throws than the people at the ymca they're not improving at exactly the same rate because their mind can only focus on so many things and they're like valuing other things above free throws which is which they should because it matters more than getting your free throw percentage up from 85% to like 87%, right? Well, um, some of them could uh, probably get it higher than like 45 or 50%. Yes. But sure. Some people some. have just a mental block and then when they stop having that mental block, they can win the NBA championships. Yes. Um no, like uh, I an 82% free throw shooter, uh, like, improving to, like, 85%, that's whatever. Um, so, yes, I agree. It's just funny because if you guys follow the NBA at all, there is just a lot of bad free throw shooting mm-hmm. nowadays, uh, especially for guards. But even the 82 free throw shooter, there's no reason any guard or small forward in, like, a wing in the NBA should be an 82% free throw shooter. I agree. They should all be shooting 90%. Yeah. Because it is a set shot in which there is no defense. I agree. Yeah. But yes. yes I <laughs> and it's not a hard shot, right? Like, kids make that shot quite regularly. Yeah. Well, whatever. That's a topic for another time. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm going to uh, point out two kind of, I think, traps. It's really just one trap. I, I, you know, I'm not even going to split them up. Um, the trap in a tempo meta, is very, very, very simple. And it's something that we talk about a lot. And our last podcast was focused on it a lot because these are very good cards. But how initiative plays into a tempo meta is super, 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 super advanced and yet super, 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 super simple. I could tell it to you in two sentences, but then it spirals in nuance in all these different game situations. It, it's, it's kind of the same thing as like Hunter and which turn to go face. It's not that hard to figure out which turn to go face if I just needed to describe it to you. But then in each individual game situation, it is really hard to figure out if this is the turn. Or how to set up the next turn if next turn is the turn. And then which, which it happens. 
So, obviously, initiative is very good. Initiative cards are generally not exactly great for tempo. The small initiative cards, like one or two mana initiative cards, may be good utility cards like I was talking about, but they're still not curve cards. And the mid-level initiative cards, like think like Blessing of Kings, um, or even like Dirigible, uh, you know, after it, uh, after it gets corrupted, they require a decent amount of skill to play to get to their maximum effect. So, and, and this is one of the reasons why you look at HS replay stats and all the buffs look like they're underrated. Uh, because they are. Because people are, in this meta in particular, are super messing up when they're playing buffs. Like, I don't know what Blessing of Kings is, but I mean, it's not a premium card anymore. It's still a good card. And its win rate in this meta should be, like, way higher. And it's just not. Um, and a, a lot of that, and this is a meta with limited initiative, too. Like, this is what Blessing of Kings should really shine. Um, but part of it is just that good players are better at getting the board in the beginning. It, it's, it's a funny thing. Because it always seems like it's very random in the beginning. Like, who ends up with the board after turn four? Like, how much skill is there in that? Right? Like, you don't really have that many options. And yet, at the end of turn four, a good player will have the board, like, 80% of the time. Even higher than a good player's actual win rate. And that's crazy. Because a good player should have the board... As long as the opponent doesn't make some crazy misplays, right? Because it should be very easy decisions in the first four turns. But between the mulligan and the drafting, and yes, sometimes the actual playing even in the first four turns, you end up with this big gulf in who gets the board. Um, and that's something that you should really like think about. Uh, but anyway, kind of that's a that's a, a little bit off topic. Back to initiative. Um, so all the initiative cards, especially the buff cards, have uh, have lower win rates than uh, than I think they should in this meta. Now, initiative cards in general, especially initiative cards that uh, can be played out of your hand, are the easiest cards to play uh, because they're reacting to something. But in a tempo-based meta, you can really extract some like skill out, out of this because you're using your initiative and it is now a scarce resource because you don't have enough cards in your hand. And you don't have enough initiative in your deck even. You're like down at least 25%, if not 33% initiative from the previous meta. So when you have an initiative card, you need to play it for tempo. In a tempo meta. Shouldn't be a hard concept. But what does it mean to play an initiative card for tempo? That means... If you have a card, let's say you're 2 mana, deal 3 damage, right? Pretty simple removal card. And you are playing it on a 3-3 minion. You've done something wrong. If you have a 2 mana, deal 3 damage, it needs to go onto something. Either 1, when you're about to get face damage. Which, again, is less important now. Because we are uh, we're in a tempo meta, not a face damage meta. 2... When your opponent has a minion you can't remove otherwise. That you really need to remove otherwise. Leaving minions on the opponent's side on the board is not super terrible. Because there's a limited amount of things that they can actually do with that minion. Uh, especially in this meta. But leaving something on the board, like say like a peasant or like just something with an ability. 
or it's a taunt and it's blocking you from eating something that can get you a positive tempo exchange, that's when you need to use your removals. So the best time to use your removals, really the only time you should be using your removals if you have any other play at all to make, is when you're getting a lot of tempo for it. Like your opponent has a 6-3 on the board. You use two mana to remove the 6-3. Okay, that's good tempo. Or... I don't have a board or anything with initiative or I'm being like taunted or something and I can't deal that two damage to the thing behind the taunt that has an ability that I don't want to trigger again. That's a good time to use initiative. Outside of those scenarios, do not use your initiative. Unless you're doing a, like a demon hunter aggro uh, control kind of like deck where face damage actually is important. But for 80% of your decks... Face damage is not that important in the early game. Um, and so, therefore, uh, you, you, you got to save your initiative. But it also means you have to recognize when your initiative gets saved too much. Because if you follow what I'm saying, and you're reasonably good at setting up the first few turns, you'll get to a point where you look at your hand, and you're like, I actually have like three cards left, and two of them have initiative, and one doesn't. Well... Depending on how the rest of your deck goes, at that point, you may think about using an initiative card, even if it's just to remove a 2-mana th uh, three, 3 card. Because that's when you're starting to run out of cards. And if you run out of cards, you're going to fall behind in tempo when you can't play effectively, because a bunch of your cards are basically dead cards in your hand, because your opponent didn't present a target for them. So, always think in terms of tempo. Not just tempo this turn, but tempo next turn, and tempo the turn after that. And the card advantage really builds into that. And options in your hand being potentially dead. Which initiative sometimes is. Especially if you have the board. Like your opponent could like flame strike or play two removals or whatever, right? Okay. That's, that's my big pitfall that I, I want to like kind of emphasize. Because I see people do this wrong all the time when I'm playing. Where I'm like, oh, you used an initiative card to remove this minion. Okay, that's cool. And then later on, I'm like, oh, you're out of initiative. Well... Was my like two mana? Was my three three on the board really that threatening? That you you had to do something? Was my even like was my three two really that threatening? That you had to throw your like two damage initiative onto it? Yeah, you you dealt two damage. And you got five stats off my board. That's like good question mark. But you, you got to figure. You got to know the rest of your hand and the rest of your deck. Yep. It's good advice. It's good overall advice. You got more or are you done? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm done with the temple meta. The, it's, it, we, we've said it all before, like, but it was like three years ago when we were saying it. So I'm trying to bring some refreshers in. And um, it's like... If you have a decent tempo deck, not like a good deck, but just a deck with a curve, like, and then some utility cards, not a, and, and some card draw, right? Just like kind of a normal deck. No, no giant bombs, no like super, super good cards. You know, you're not like winning the value game um, or, or the like card value game, right? You know, you're not having like a ton of Sunwells or whatever. Um, you can get quite far in this meta. Like, those decks that used to get barely five wins, um, they're, they're getting more than seven now regularly. Um, I've, I've taken... 
one of those decks to uh, 11 wins. I've taken two of those decks to 10 wins. These are definitely below average decks, but they do have a curve and they do have some tempo things that they can do. Um, and they're not like going to exactly run out of cards. It's just very low value and like kind of a little bit struggling with initiative usually. Um, but that, that's okay because people haven't figured it out yet. Like it's a soft meta and uh, this kind of old school fundamentals style, it's, it's providing a, a, a lot of wins for very mediocre slash poor decks. Not brokenly bad decks, right? Like, if you draft a deck that, like, doesn't have a curve and, like, you know, is also bad on top of that, yeah, right? This, this, your skill isn't going to save you. Um, but if you have it, then then you can really get to, to a decent amount of wins. Anything else you want to add before I talk about my favorite card? Oh, Again. God. Uh, you know what? Just go ahead. Like, just rip off the Band-Aid. Okay, okay. So if you listen to the last Lightforge at the end, I talked about Lurkwater Mercenary. Lushwater? Um, Lushwater, Lurkwater, whatever. Lurkwater. Mm. You don't, water. You've gotten the name wrong so many times. It's just Lush or like Lurk. I don't know. They seem similar words to me, even though I think they don't mean the same thing. Um, the win rate's holding up. Uh, it, it's fallen a little bit, but not by that much. But one thing I want to point out is that this whole Murloc thing, the reason the Murloc thing is working really, really well is because of everything we've said before. Tempo, especially tempo in the early going, see Pounce, matters a ton. A ton. And so some of this tempo come in the form of Murloc synergies. Murlocs are good for tempo. This should be not a surprise to anybody. And if you have Murlocs and you have some of the Murloc synergies, you don't need a lot of them, and they sometimes trigger, that's going to start skewing your win rate positively. In this meta, that's going to matter a lot. You don't, it doesn't need to trigger every game or every other game or even every third game. If every like fifth game it triggers, well, you probably got yourself like an extra half win on the run because you had a lush water combo. Like... The stat right now on HS Replay, remember last week, Mermi was like 0.5 or 0.6% above the Argent Squire. This week, Mermi is now 1.2% above the Argent Squire. And that's because the meta has settled some, and people are realizing that this, like, they've had a positive experience with this um, um, uh, tempo stuff. Or they've had a positive experience with uh, the Murloc synergies. Or they don't even know what they're doing exactly. They're just like, oh, my last deck lost because it was too slow and I was getting beat down. Let's go with a faster deck. And the Murlocs just come to them, right? This is, this is a very real part of the meta right now. This, this Murloc consideration. Because it is one of the best neutral ways to get tempo in the early game. Um, each class has their own tempo stuff in the early game. Well, not each class. Most classes have their own stuff that's better than Mermi, obviously. Uh, but this is, a, this is a good supplement to your early game. Draft your Mermies, guys. Cool. You got that skeptical look on your face, Murps. No, no, I'm a believer, okay? You've... 
you definitely convinced me. All right, cool. Uh, uh, is this going to be a permanent fixture on uh, the podcast, a Mermaid Tracker? Now, at, um, like w- with like a little green arrow up or a red arrow <laughs> down. Red arrow down. Uh, we're, we're just gonna track it. Argent Squire. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, I don't. I think that's not a bad measurement of how temple oriented the meta is. Mermy to the moon, baby. If you guys are tired of GME, you can always jump on the Mermy Mermy train. Okay, that's it. I mean, look, okay. you you talked about Hearthstone. I think. I, I think we're now. We should now talk about the game that everybody actually wants to talk about. Yes, I agree. Question from the GOAT. Huge shout out first to all of our Patreons at patreon.com slash grinninggoat. Thank you guys so much. Keeping the lights on here at the Lifeforge podcast and allowing us to do things like buy Diablo 2 Resurrected, even though it's freaking $40. Doesn't matter. We're bought it. And uh, I have not played it yet. But I think Murps has played it many times. I have. Well, so, question from the goat is: What are your impressions about the new Diablo two? So look, uh, first of all, if you have been reading up on news or just watching streams, and oh yeah, guys, you can just uh, watch streams to get the Twitch drops. But the open beta is coming anyway, so you could just wait for that. The game is good in terms of. The game is exactly the same. They didn't even update the frame rate because you can't because the game is built upon the okay. that so system. So for the record, they updated the frame rate of the game, just not the engine. So your mm-hmm. attacks and getting hit is still on 24 frames per second. But like you actually see like 60 frames per second or whatever you have. Right. This is why you still have those weird breakpoints for cast rate, faster hit recovery, uh, etc. So... The game itself is the exact same. The product that you're buying, you're buying a $40 skin. That it's a shiny new coat to put on top of the game. And it looks really good. It looks really good. It feels really good. Um, I think it just really helps when they didn't have to rebuild the game in any way. You're literally running the base game. Uh, and then they just ap- apply like this coat over it, and then you know that's what they are showing you at that time. But the base game stays exactly the same. Um, I think that's just super cool. They obviously spent a ton of time trying to get the details right. And I was playing with Kyle, and I was talking to him, and uh, there were just a few times in which um, I would go next to something, something would catch my eye, and it would just be like a wall, right? A wall in which the old version maybe had like a smear of of blood on it, and it was just like a few pixels of red. But now when you look at it, um, you know, it, instead of just that smear of blood, you go next to it, and it'll be like a dead body uh, that like got decapitated or has a sword through uh, the corpse in like a unique way uh, and they put a lot of details into it like, like y- you can tell some bodies are fresh some have been there for quite a while um, and, and this is like that mood setting right it's everything that people complain about Diablo 3 it's like it's too colorful and then Jay Wilson made that joke about like ponies and rainbows and all that stuff but mm-hmm. 
Diablo knows, uh, you know, the, the Diablo franchise and the Diablo team, they know that they messed up with it. And what people want is the gritty, gothic, r- really claustrophobic sometimes feel mm-hmm. of the games. And they really delivered on that. So, for example, look, if you disliked D2 before, you're not going to like this one, probably. Because the game is you, you exactly the same. You're not going to like this. It's the same game. It's the same game. But... Did they do an incredible job with this fancy $40 skin? Absolutely, they did. Uh, I think my only cur- uh, criticisms, and once again, there were some bugs in the beta test. It's whatever. I mean, I'm not going to hold it against it. It's a beta test. And sometimes companies even like try to just test a few things, like do some wacky things. So I won't complain about that. I would say some of the skills are a little bit lackluster um, in terms of. I expected them to be a little bit flashier, but they aren't, and that's fine. Some came out uh, really, really, like, j- just looking fantastic. Um, so that's pretty cool. I think all the Sorceress ones are okay, with the exception of, like, um, a few of the Fire ones look not as, I guess, pyrotechnically spectacular. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You mean Fireball doesn't look like it does on the Icon image? Where it's like <laughs> a gigantic, fat Fireball? I love that image. I think they made Meteor good. I, I, okay. I like how they made Meteor um, in terms of like just the impact. Uh, and, and um, you know, they've changed the way it looks uh, a few times as well. I also played the Druid. I like how they the detail they made, like the wolves and the bears, and then your transformations as well. So overall, I think it's a, yeah, a great job that you did that the entire team did. I'm looking forward to playing it. It should be fun. Wait, does the bear look the same but just upgraded, or does the bear look different now? Because the bear looked ridiculous in D2. Is it the same kind of bear? Yeah, like, everything is like, like kind of... Like the turning of... into a bear, not the summon bear. Oh, turning into a bear? Uh, Well, you just sort of, like, flash light, you know, flash of light, no, and then... I don't, no, I just mean the bear that you turn into, sorry. Yeah. The transformation process. Because it was, like, always, like... Because, no, yeah, obviously it's on two legs and whatever, but it was, like, almost, like... A dude in a bear costume. Well, know? yeah, I mean like, that's kind of bear-y. that's kind of it. no. They made that a little bit better. They smoothed that okay. out. It's just like the uh, the wolf. Like uh, I, the wolf always looked better because the wolf was hunched more, right? So it yeah. looked more. The wolf looked like, like a freaking werewolf. It doesn't look like a guy in a wolf suit. Yeah, I mean it still could. Maybe one with bad posture. Maybe you. Maybe you in a wolf suit. Who knows? It could be your first Sona, uh, but. Yeah, like the uh, the bear one also looks better than it uh, did before. So, all right. Well, our computers are coming this week. Fingers crossed. After four months, our computers finally came here, uh, and we're also getting uh, some ridiculous screens. But that's just for us. Um, so, hopefully, the this uh, this new rig, which is pretty damn expensive. Um, again, thank you all to the Patreons, to the subs. Um, this is not like, like, this is more money than we've made this year on all of our stuff. So this is definitely taking from, uh, from last year, maybe even the year before, um, just, uh, just to update our rigs and we went, we went pretty fancy with it. Uh, so we needed to hold up to Diablo 4. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So when that comes and that gets set up, that's when I'll take, uh, Diablo 2's, uh, beta for, uh, for a spin.
they only have the first two acts. Like, that really... Like, that really killed my enthusiasm. When I heard beta, I was like, oh, nice! But then I realized that beta was only two acts, rather than, like, let's say, all normal or, or something. Right? I was going to say, what were you really expecting, though? Because it's one of Betas those... are not beta anymore. This is the first actual beta Blizzard's done since, like, Diablo 3. Yeah. Like, what, what, like Overwatch didn't have a real beta. Overwatch's beta was, like, you can play. It's, like, basically free play weekends, right? Uh... Like, just, I don't know, beta is such a weird concept right now. So when I heard beta, I thought we are just going to be able to play the game, and then they'll just, like, make you buy it later on. Nope. Like, that's why it's for people who pre-ordered, right? Because they already got your money. I think it's part of, uh, I, I mean, part of the comfort in only letting you test a little bit of the game is, like, the game itself, they, they know it works. <laughs> like, the base game works, right? And kind of... Uh, I, I, they at least have that sort of comfort. It's like, all right, well, the the, the underlying game that that is being run, we should we know that works, so so that's fine. Um, it's just a matter of like, does the skin look good? Like, does you know, is it running properly? Is it being optimized? So mm-hmm. that should be fine. I also played the Back for Blood beta that's going on right now. That is very fun. I think they made a good game. It is definitely the spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead 2, which is just one of the best games of all time in terms of both mm-hmm. single-player and multiplayer content. So I'm looking forward to that. The only problem is it releases in October, which is a little bit after D2. I'm going to be focusing on D2. But I also bought Back for Blood 2 because I was super impressed by the beta. And I'm going to eventually play it. Uh, if not for multiplayer, then at least for single player. Um, so if you guys haven't checked that out, also check that out. Because I think uh, like from the amount that I've played, I was really, really impressed by all the mechanics, uh, all of the special zombies, all of the items. The one thing I didn't like so far was the card system. I thought that was a little bit too much. I and it might be something that grows on me, but I'm used to the Left 4 Dead model in which you go in with nothing, right? And here you bring in kind of like a preset um, skill system, skill perk yeah. system, uh, which is fine. Uh, like I, I just wanted it to be a little bit more roguelike in in a way. You know, everyone starts off equal instead of like yeah, but it you was specking. never roguelike. You know, you, the, the, it was always like stuff was in the same place every time. Stuff was in the same place, and it wasn't, right? Like, the levels weren't the same each time. There were set pieces, but there yeah. were also quite uh, a lot of differences. Well, first of all, it was random, um, like, zombie spawns, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, of course, there were certain variations in the level one way or the other and then all randomized like items like there would be items at a place some of them will be constant and then there would be like differences in weapons differences in in, in that kind of stuff and for a lot of like quote rogue likes like you know um risk of rain right like the levels are it's kind of the same concepts like the base level is the same there's variations random monsters random bosses like random items and all that stuff all right. Um, as for me, I've spent the last over, t- yeah, I spent the last over two hundred hours. No, not over two hundred. Sorry, over one hundred twenty hours of my gameplay playing Dragon Quest Eleven. 
Uh, I, I'm not done with Act 2 yet, if you play this game and you know where, where it is. This game apparently, spoilers I guess, this game apparently has three acts and then an entire post-game. And I did not realize what I was signing up for when I started this game. And I also play RPGs super slow because I have to talk to every single person, you know. Um, I'm playing like hardest difficulty and I don't grind at all outside of doing quests. So like every enemy encounter is actually kind of difficult because uh, I'm always under leveled. So I don't know why I do this to myself, but it's been very enjoyable so far. So if you like stuff like Final Fantasy uh, or like Skyrim even, um, and uh, I, I, like I would, like if JRPGs do not turn you off, they don't have to be your favorite cup of tea. But if you can, like, put the time into it, this game's been very surprisingly rewarding so far. Like, just for the record, I've been trying to go back and play some of the Final Fantasy games, and I did not get... I was unable to get through, like, Final Fantasy before I, like, just kind of got bored and, like, gave up. This was, uh, like, Final Fantasy XII. Uh, I think I got, like, less than halfway through the game before I was like, eh, I got busy, I did other stuff. Um, but Dragon Quest has been better so far. Um... So yeah, I, I, I would recommend it if you're okay with JRPGs. It's excellent like time for money value, even though it is like a $60 game. It's just there's so much crap in this game. Cool. So that's what's coming up. I'm kind of sad that Back for Blood, Back for Blood 2 is coming out basically the same time as D2. But can't wait to play D2. I know, um, like... Our friend Kyle is taking time off. I'm going to be taking time off to play it. Oh, uh, I just talked to Ratsma yesterday. He's playing on day zero with us. Um, just going to be okay. jumping right in, grinding, trying to get to hell, like start MFing right away. It's going to be fun. Uh huh. Okay. So I'll, I'll be left behind because I don't think I can take off work during that week. You're, uh, you are going to be completely left behind. However,. Yeah. You you can you can just boost me later on when I. That's when the I thing. Join. Like you, you, we're gonna be able to like basically uh, boost you to hell, uh, get you uh -huh. an insane amount of levels, and then just give you some yeah. starter items. I know how D two works. Like it's not you don't have to have that good items to be doing whatever runs. You don't. You really don't. And then of course this is just like practicing for whenever they do the first ladder, and then we can do hardcore ladder. I don't have enough time to actually do hardcore ladder on Diablo or any kind of ladder on Diablo because that's like a lot of grinding. Like I would love to have that time, but that's not like that's not something you can do with a day job. Although you did do it with a day job, you, I don't know how you in Diablo three you were like so high ranked. I like didn't understand how you had enough time to be able to keep your character that like. I don't know, not like high level, but like whatever they were measuring on, right? Oh, like the, the, uh, the, the, yeah, the riffs, the riff levels. Yeah, the riffs. Like, I just, I don't know. Well, I, I could couldn't have put that much time in the game. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't keep that, like, until the end of the season. But yes, I was in season two with a Firebird wizard. I was number one in North America for a, a period of time. I don't know, like a week or two. And not like just at the very start. This is, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't. I, I mean, it's hardcore. People... People suck. They die. Suck. They are risk averse, which means they won't play hardcore. 
or they get sloppy, right? Or they get mm-hmm. sloppy, or they true, freeze though. up. If you grind a ton, like you will get sloppier. So it may not like actually work that same way, right? As like a pure grinding game. And for that game, for Diablo three, it's different because you in Diablo two, you can just keep being safe and play and magic finite areas in which you have a 99.99999% chance of living. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. for me to get that like number one ranking for the amount of time that I got, I was basically pushing. And at the very end, I, you know, with my character that I had spent like 300, 400 hours on at that point, I just told myself very clearly, I'm like, okay, if I make this jump and attempt this, there's probably a 50-50 chance that I die. But if I get it, I'll be number one in North America mm. for now. And th- that's what you have to do. You just have to like do it. And yeah, you have a lot of skill. But also at the same time, it's like, I don't know. How are the mobs going to spawn? What as- like what attributes will they have? And the Rift right. Guardian at the end, like that's a huge thing. Because um, the Rift Guardian that spawns, some are really tough for your build some are really easy and some are like in between and you also have to try to kill them as fast as possible i remember for that one i it was one of those like i think that it, it, there was like a 15 percent chance that if this thing spawned uh i would probably just die like i just can't mm-hmm. beat it in time and also like because of their cc or whatever um i probably just die right there so you just got to roll the dice like and people don't want that right like they don't want to mm-hmm. do it so hardcore it's just it's very different it's hardcore man it's hard it's very hardcore all right that's it for our podcast um we'll see you guys uh next week um until then this is Adwikta. this is Murps. bye Enjoying the Light Forge? For the full rundown on Hearthstone Arena draft strategy, card review, and arena gameplay, follow us on YouTube, Twitter, or twitch.tv at ADWCTA. Support the podcast by sharing us with your friends and family, or become a patron at patreon.com slash grinning goat. Thank you for tuning in, and see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>